the one thing that I found that really works well is sending an email or invitation over, you know, to those people and just going, Hey, come to this meeting, ask every question because you're looking for the detractors. You want to invite them, welcome them, because those are your people who actually, if you can win them over the quickest, you're going to get your sale that much quicker. Everybody wants to close sales and really to grow your business, you need to close some big sales. How do you close a half million dollar whale? That's what we're going to talk about today is the enterprise sale process for closing really large accounts. Joining me today is Jonathan Pierce. He is an executive uh, uh, account executive for enterprise sales. Jonathan, welcome to today's podcast. Oh, Raj, thanks for having me on, man. Looking really excited about this one. Yeah, I am too. And this is part two. So Jonathan was on an earlier podcast about how you close enterprise sales between 20K and 60K. Very valuable tips. If you haven't uh, caught that podcast, the, the notes are below. You can just click on the link to watch that. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how to go even bigger. So Jonathan, let's go ahead and get started. There's probably a lot of prep work and a much lo longer sales cycle time uh, for closing a half million dollar deal. I'm going to imagine there's lots of people you have to get uh, to influence that deal not just one single buyer. So let's get started with that conversation. What are the first steps as you prepare to figure out who could actually be that half billion dollar deal? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Uh, at in the end of the day, like you are going from playing high school football to college football, you know, it's a, it's a bigger arena. It's a bigger race. If you're a track runner, if you like to exercise, you know, it's a longer race, it's a marathon. So to establish your mentality, you got to have the right mindset. And uh, very many times I've been able to just go over to the vendor partner I'm working with and go, Hey, let's, let's schedule five minutes. Let's talk about this before we meet with these people. Here's what we want to get out of the meeting. But at the end of the day, for this race to be successful, let's create a reset button in our brain for us to hit that when things get difficult because we don't want to hop on calls sounding exhausted. You know, we want to treat every day like it's the first time we're talking to them. We want to be excited. Um, and again, it's the, that stamina is going to be necessary. So if you can create that right out of the bat, then you're going to have a team that's at least prepared to win. Uh, I think that's really important. That frame of mind, your, your mindset going into it, knowing that this is a long haul, knowing that you're not going to be able to just pick up the phone a couple of times and suddenly close this deal. I think that's important. So let's, let's first figure out like how you actually identify who you should be talking to. Yeah, no, the, the big important thing to do, especially with your vendor partners is create an org chart, right? We want to understand who are the decision makers and we're asking those questions when on, we're on the discovery and the deep dives, right? So mm -hmm. again, going back to the podcast one, who, who needs to see this tool with you? You know, what, what's the last tool you purchased and what did that process look like? Has it changed? You know, are you talking to somebody on this discovery deep dive that has actually closed, you know, a SaaS product? In your organization. So you need to know all those things so that you can start building your org chart and going, okay, I've got to talk to this person. I've got to talk to this person. So then you're asking for the next steps. Hey, when do you talk to that person again? Would, you know, how do they want to be involved? What is their level of involvement? So you're asking all the emotional intelligent questions. So you're not pushing too hard. And when you go for the invite, Hey, I want to send an invite over to that person, you know, or, or can you look at their calendar for me? Right. Go ahead and get this ambassador that you've created to give you the insights and how to meet. And when it comes to the IT and the, you know, the security team on the, on the bigger enterprise level, you're going to have all these, you know, teams of people that need to see everything. The one thing that I've found that really works well is 
you know, sending an email or invitation over, you know, to those people and just going, hey, come to this meeting, ask every question because you're looking for the detractors. You mm -hmm. want to invite them, welcome them, because those are your people who actually, if you can win them over the quickest, you're going to get your sale that much quicker. Yeah. You know, I heard an interesting phrase the other day uh, where when you're on a call, you want to identify the type of person, like every type of person, because there are going to be people who are the talkers, the walkers, and the blockers. And yeah. you want to know where everybody stands so that if you've got blockers in the room, your detractors, you want to know who they are so that you can start planning your process of overcoming their objections. Yeah. And on the bigger deals, you know, even even when you're following the process, let's say they've got five board meetings and, you know, we I was walking a, a big enterprise customer through that last year. And then we rolled into the new year. They had come to all the approvals and they're like, all right, when we get back, you know, the first Friday, send the DocuSign in the new year. And we walk back in, the CEO on the first day back goes, all right, everything I approved last year, we need to reaffirm, like go through the entire process again. So again, hit wow. that mental reset button is all I did. Of course, my vendor partner was like, oh man, you know, so, ex <laughs> oh gosh, that was already exhausting. You know, maybe the guy we have, you know, doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the influence. So all those questions happen um, and you just go to work, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you do have to judge whether this is still a viable option. And um, and I think when we don't know what's going on on the other side, especially for the SaaS people out there doing everything over Zoom, professional nudges are a good tool to kind of mask that persistence. I've had many people tell me after they've joined going, you know, I really like you because a you you cared about my trust, but then you didn't let me forget about you, and you did a really good job of masking that you were trying to push me. Mm -hmm. um, those nudges are, are going to come in handy on these big deals. One of the things that uh, you and I had talked about is that a, a large sale like this is a consultative sale because people aren't just going to talk to, let's say, you know, a sales rep just because they're ready to buy. They need to be sold on something. You know, they need to be comfortable making those decisions. And so talk to me about what you do to set up some of these meetings to get people talking about, you know, in your case, cybersecurity. Um, how do you actually get people to show up? What do you send to them? Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I cold call. That's the biggest, you know, way to just, just interrupt everyone's day. And, and I know we mentioned this in the last podcast, but think about interrupting somebody's day. And if you do that well, you can just say, you know, hey, this I'm a I'm a zero trust architect, or I'm I'm an architect or a consultant for you know big companies. And the reason people keep using me, right? So that crowd intelligence, other people use me. I say that a lot. Or mm -hmm. the Another time I had this happen, but when we're, I'm going for the meeting, I'm going, all right, other people have used me. And sometimes it's taken one, three, five years, you know, for us to architect things and interject. And, and we want to make sure it's smooth to do that. You know, what kind of conversations are you guys having right now that you're building out your plan for your one, three or five year strategy? Do you have a three or five year strategy? And about 90% of the time they don't. People are going to go, no. I, and I said, great. You know, let's have a three minute conversation. What does that look like for you guys, you know, to be more proactive? That's great. I, I love the way you're softening the uh, conversation po talking points because you're, you're not selling anything right now. You're just asking them, 
what's going on, what kind of conversations are you having right now in your organization? Because if they're co talking about something completely different, it's going to be a much longer sale for you to convince them to, to start following something that's uh, headed in your direction. Yeah, because I care about my use of time and energy, right? I, you know, these mm -hmm. enterprises, you really have to make sure you're, you know, on the right product at the right time at the right price for them. And that goes back to, you know, are they looking to purchase right now? What is their process? And then you're just building your pipeline. If this company isn't the one that's going to buy in the next six months, put them in next year and just keep a cadence, right? Those professional nudges, it goes back mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. Now, chances are, if you're making a big sale like that, very unlikely that there's not somebody in the room already that they're using. You're probably going to be running up against an, an incumbent. So what kind of things do you say to them to determine their level of happiness uh, with that incumbent and their willingness to change? Yeah. Now, there's some good soft questions. You, you know, you what kind of conversations are you having about your current technology that, you know, maybe you can't solve or, or have you looked at tools lately to solve some of those pain points? You know, or what what keeps you up at night is a good one. And even, you know, if you're on a conversation and you're talking about your product, you know, a lot of customers that have, you know, product X have this kind of issue and they want to solve that. So they're looking to implement technology like I have. Or you can go for the the big kind of if someone's not responding to anything you're saying on a discovery card, you know, or a deep dive, you're going, you know, if you could wave a magic wand right now, what's that one tool you would like to replace and why? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that'll uncover some of that. Sometimes I also like to add things like if price weren't an object, what would you use that magic wand to fix right now? And so uh, the magic wand analogy, I think, is uh, works really well because people would love to just get rid of some problems. Uh, which ones would be the ones that you would prioritize to get rid of right away? That's actually a really good way to uh, start introducing some of those uh, soft topic dialogues. Um, now, let's go a little bit deeper into this professional nudge uh, concept that you talked about. Uh, define what you mean by a nudge. Well, you know, a lot of times, like we, we get into an MSP or a SaaS vendor and we're going, you know, have you emailed them twice this week? You know, they, we get in the email marketing campaign cadences and, and then people very quickly, I think you're very wise to it. They'll, they'll click up, oh, go to spam or, you know, unsend. And I think going to the phones and establishing, you know, a personal relationship with them, going right to their LinkedIn and connecting. So they have a face for the, for the name that's, that's calling um, and keeping a phone cadence or, Hey, you know, if you have any questions about something you have, you're opening up a new lane for them to text you. Um, and I, I have a lot of text conversations yesterday. In fact, you know, I'm on vacation this week. Um, and you know, an it guy from airports, just like, Hey man, I've been thinking about this. What do you think of this technology? And I recommended, you know, I'm, I'm driving, got two kids in the back screaming, but it's, Hey, haven't heard from me in a while. I bet you've been busy. You know, I'll text him sometimes. I, I know you've been busy. How's the kid? What's going on new at work? And just keeping that cadence. But when it comes even more specifically, if, if our listener here wants to know how to professionally nudge, ask for the date on when they would like to get a solution or a problem fixed or solved mm -hmm. and then push. Without a date, you can't really push. You, you really can't. You, you can push to have conversations, but you can't push, you yeah. know, a product or a price. You yeah. You know, there's the, so there's a couple of things around dates. 
I, I know one of the, the challenges is, um, let's say they've already got a solution in place and you've started talking to them and they've got a contract that's not going to end for another nine months. And what a lot of reps will do is they will wait till three months before the renewal, before they start engaging or re-engaging. But I think it's really important to continue staying in contact. And let's say, let's say you were trying to get a contract and you lost and they went with someone else. It's really important to follow up and say, in 30 days, first, sometimes they might have told you that they went with somebody else. Maybe they didn't actually sign. They said they were going to. Uh, so you could follow up to one, verify that they actually did sign with that person. Second thing is uh, follow up in a couple of months and just ask how it's going because the seeds of unhappiness might have already started. And yeah. that's when you can start planting your feet in with use cases, um, other types of uh, 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 case studies, things like that, that you might be able to penetrate uh, deeper in. And as you keep having that conversation over the course of those nine months, when you get to the three month mark prior to the renewal, you actually have a better chance because you're the one that's been in touch. And you'd be shocked. And maybe you've probably seen this also that even reps who close deals, they just stop talking and leave it to the customer service team. And they don't even talk to their own clients till three months before the renewal. And it's kind of like, Hey, you only talk to me when you want my money. Right. Yeah. It, that's it. And, 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 you know, people, when they buy these high ticket items, they want that consultative process. They want to be kept in the loop with new ideas. Uh, and I used to have vendors constantly tell me, yeah, tell me about your webinars. Tell me about ways to use your solution better because we've already made the commitment. We've already paid for it. I want to know how to use it better and integrate it into my system. Yeah. And you really got to stay on top of that too. Yeah, and those professional nudges, a good post sale, like you're talking about post sale or, or post loss sale, you know, I, I would sell, you know, what is it, uh, land and expand, I would sell kind of a middle tier part of that solution, and they can do all these add ons. And we had a huge detractor in the room that we won the confidence on. And even post sale, you know, oh, are you, you calling to try to sell us, you know, the more add ons or something, but making it a professional nudge of, hey, I heard you guys say y'all have to wipe 40 computers, you know, every quarter for your insurance company, for your underwriters to go in and, you know, make a clean look at business policies you're writing, making sure people's websites are doing what they say they're doing. And all that time and energy is a cost. Like I heard, I heard that from our conversation. What if we went and got an isolated browser for your whole organization for $4,000 a year. And you told me you're spending about $20,000 a year on that. Your, your detractors are going to go, Oh, he's not just trying to sell me something. He cares about my business. And that's, mm -hmm. that's that professional nudge, you know? Yeah, that's really important. And I like that you uh, use uh, phrases like, you know, another client had a similar situation. And then you describe what that situation is because people don't want to feel like they're the only one buying your solution. They want to see how others have been successful with your solution. Um, one more uh, point before we uh, shift to the next topic uh, on dates. Another thing that I find useful is when you ask somebody uh, for the date that they need to have everything implemented by, I always follow up with, well, what happens the day after that date? Mm -hmm. And it's important because you want to know how firm that date really is. It might be 
oh, we have to have it in place because that's when our contract ends. Now, you know, that's a fixed hard date. If they answer, well, you know, we're going to keep looking until we find a solution. Then, you know, that that date's sort of a little bit fuzzy and you might actually get the runaround when you try to close by that specific date. So it's important to ask that follow-up question. What happens after that date just to get a sense of whether uh, that's a hard date or not? Yeah, no, having that reason, there was a a customer that I was advising on, you know, some IDP solutions and they go, yeah, we need, we need this implemented in less than 30 days. So we, we started to absorb the POC as the actual deployment. And I was like, well, what is going on? I know you have a lot of projects, but what is actually going on? Oh, I need your tool in before I can install this other tool. And they are waiting to sign on that. So, you know, importance, Mm -hmm. absolutely understanding that. Let's shift over to um, third-party validation. There are organizations like Gartner, Forrester, that uh, uh, come out with these reports. And a lot of times, large companies that spend half a million, million dollars in products uh, for one vendor will look at these reports. Um, what, What is your recommendation on how you actually structure a conversation around somebody who is using those types of uh, those types of reports, which may or may not be really as accurate, but they use it because it's safe. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a name people know. So when when yeah. people share with me, let's say, hey, you know, I checked this price on Gartner. Hey, I've been talking to Gartner about this or that, you know, or, or a consultant, even a consultant. Mm-hmm. You know, the the question I ask them is, well, you know, what customer was that for? Right? What what size customer? What what use case was that for? And ultimately, they're always going to come back going, oh, yeah, it was enterprise. And we're only 150 employees. I mean, that yeah. 99% of the time when people go yeah. out and, and they're getting that data, like, yeah, that was for a 30,000 employee organization. And, and yeah. so they may come into the room looking at your quote going, well, this price per user per year is not lining up with what I know. Mm-hmm. And we've had those conversations. They're tough conversations. And, and basically mm-hmm. you have to stand your ground because you're you're going to give them the best price for who they are and what they are and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't go outside and get 50% off just because Gartner said GE yeah. did it with 30,000 employees. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, if you want to buy 30,000 for your 150-person company, that's great. But it's yeah. going to be a pretty large sale price there. Um, uh, talk to me about the concept you have called Puppy. Yeah. Puppy is, I mean, it's a, it's an industry term, you know, price per user per year. People want to know that rate. You know, it's, it's like going and buying a car, wanting to see the invoice price. You want to know, or, or shopping bank loans. You want to know, Hey, what's the AP, what's the best APR right now I can get? What's the best price per user per year? So there's usually scales of you're going to buy SaaS products. You're like, Hey, I've got, I'm a hundred employee organization. Well, you're probably going to pay the highest puppy, the price per user. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get up to maybe 500 or a thousand, there's price break points and volume. So then you might, if you're 850 org might be smarter, just go ahead and buy a thousand because you can get the, the higher tiered, lower rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of companies, they are shopping based on price per user per year, especially organizations over 750 users. So the, mm-hmm. one of the biggest, you know, decision blocks for them is what is the puppy? And they do go out to Gartner. And then again, you have to educate them. So a really good use case for that was I was talking to this technology company. And again, they went out to Gartner and said, hey, the price per user per year is, let's say, $50, you know, is what we've been told by Gartner. And we're like, 
you know, I had to ask the questions, what can you go back to Gardner and ask them what year that happened in, right? Because every year this SaaS product always increased its price 15%. They've right. got new SKUs, what SKU name, what, you know, volume of employees was it for? And what year did that happen? Turns out it was four or five years ago. I mean, no one's going to get that price anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I get, I get a lot of people uh, asking me, oh, well, you gave my buddy a rate of X. And I look and I find, first, I got to find out who their buddy is because half the time there, there is no buddy. They're just saying it. Um, but then when yes. I go find somebody and actually see, and it was literally four years ago. And I said, you know, I don't know about you, but when I go fill up my gas tank, it's a lot more expensive than it was four years ago. And so it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, a little bit of a game there. And so, um, you know, everybody's going to try to get the best deal, but you do need to hold your ground uh, for some of these. So how do you, how do you phrase uh, a response to people? Uh, like that. Tell me, tell me about, uh, you know, let, let's say you've discovered that the price that they're thinking about isn't anywhere. It's, it's an apples and oranges comparison. Yeah. Uh, how do you respond back to them? Yeah, no, I mean, every, every use case is different, but in that, in that instance, you know, you're looking at, you know, here's, here's three discount levers that we give every customer. So you're, you're level playing it. Everyone feels like they're treated the same, you know, there's no special treatment. And that is that we give discounts based on the number of employees you have, right? How much of that one product you're buying. And then this company also gives discounts based on, oh, you buy product X and Y and Z. Your, your friend or whoever you know that had a great deal, they might've bought you know, a lot more in, in for their employees, or they might have bought CrowdStrike and Zscaler and Okta all at once. So you can do multi-discounts there. And then the biggest one is, if you don't know when you're gonna buy, that accuracy forecast has the biggest discount lever. So if mm -hmm. you're coming to the table saying, hey, 100%, I can buy in December or 100%, I can buy in next week, you still get access to the same discount. It's 100% accuracy on when you're going to buy it because I can go to that vendor and wheel and deal for you and I'll pass that savings on to you. So I don't know what kind of scenario your friend was in, but you know, let's look at getting the best deal for you right now. That's what mm -hmm. I, that's what I'm here to do. And you've seen CEOs stay way late into the night trying to get a deal yeah. close because they know the deal's going to, because they've forecasted it as part of their spending and they need to get that thing done. Right. So, um, it's not just the CEO or sometimes the CFO that would be involved in this. There's a lot of other people. Um, how do you build out that org chart? What kind of, what kind of uh, pieces of information do you know? Do you put like lines connecting people? Like how does, how does your view of your prospect look? Yeah, really, I'm interested in who the key players are, but everyone comes up with a team. You, you might have someone silent the whole time, like you, like you mentioned, a listener in the room. So whoever's on the calls, I start tracking an Excel sheet or if I've got a good CRM to do that. And, you know, again, I'm asking the question I need to know to highlight them. Who was involved in making the decisions? Who was the, in the last product you bought, you know, what, who was the key players? Who said yes or no? I'm just asking the contact at the company. Who was a part of the last decision? And how is it different this time? So then we're building a, an org chart and I'm getting to know those people. I'm making sure I have conversations with those people. That is my next step. Hey, you said so-and-so needs to be on this next call because they helped purchase that. And it's going to be the same person this year. 
you know, I'm going to send an invite. Tell me what their calendar looks like. You know, let's just schedule five minutes. And then I treat them as if, as if I've never met them. Mm. Just like I did the first person and I win them over. So one at a time, I'm building that chart, keeping Excel. Hey, this guy, these are the people or the team of people that need to be on that call. Um, and tell them, hey, ask me any question. And I'm the not- questions are going to be different because the inter- the journey for each person is different. You know, when you look at your chart, you really have different buyer personas inside that ideal client that you've got. You've got the person who's actually going to write the check. You've got the person who's going to be managing the product. Then you've got the end users who are actually going to be using the product. And you may have some other personas inside as well. But the person who's, who's the end user who oftentimes will say, yeah, this is a good idea. Uh, it doesn't make that final decision, but you've got to get their buy-in. So the messages, the communications to them, the consultative discussions, the content that they see is all different uh, compared to somebody who's that final decision maker who wants to see the ROI, want to see uh, case studies, that kind of thing. So I think it's a good idea to have lots of that content available so that you can use it, even if it's just for your own reference and conversations uh, to share with people. Yeah, especially if you live in the local area of that organization, you know, I had the I call it the benefit of working from home 100 percent of the time. I'd never met a customer in the last 16 months and, you know, pulled in over a million dollars in ARR. But Mm -hmm. for people who live around the organizations they're dealing with, you know, hey, this guy likes the 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 Mets. Let me go take him to a game. You know, I see a lot of enterprise people do all that. And that is very Mm -hmm. successful. But, you know, just know that you don't have to do that. I I didn't Mm -hmm. do any of that. And yeah. The big thing is tracking who you're talking to, what they need to see, you know, what would they need to see to prove this like they did last time? What what are some of the things they they asked for, you know, presentations and whatnot? But, you know, in the end, I've worked huge deals that come in and the legal person is going through a reorg of their processes. So that delayed a deal two months. Right. Mm-hmm. And keeping in touch, going what's on with that. Another one came into, well, your product is the best. We've, we've arrived at this situation twice this year and you know, it's a funding thing. Right. And so then I built a a special presentation, but you've got to ask what's holding this deal back. You Mm got to stay in close contact with your person who is the ambassador. Um, and, and even then on that situation, we had to go hunting within the vendor product for a relationship that matched up with that person turns out the cfo of you know this 3000 org knew the cfo of the company trying to buy and he just needed that kind of reference and and feel good fuzzy to mm-hmm. pull the deal together so we 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 made that happen and sometimes when you're having these conversations uh if you're the account rep and and maybe you don't have the technology background that uh that uh, that you need to answer some of those really detailed questions you could bring in perhaps a solutions engineer a sales engineer to help with those discussions um how do you always leave the meeting like what is your uh the outro ask as you say yeah at the end of the day we've got to you know, we got to understand what would be uh, the next step for, and you've got to ask, you know, who is on the call, you know, where did we land today? You know, where do we end? Did I leave you with more questions? You know, can I capture some of those questions real quick and get some answers for you? Did you have any technical questions? Um, but we're always looking to get the next appointment book. You know, what, what is the next step? Is it a board meeting? Is it your team is going to get together and you're still evaluating other products? We've got to ask, where are they today? 
and let's go ahead and get the next meeting set up for next week. We're, we're going, when do we need this done by, you know, and then, um, you know, just be really, really honest about where you are. Just say, Hey, be brutally honest with me. Where did this sit? Was this a valuable call for you? You know, and find out that feedback because you don't know how hard to press unless you're asking. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times people will just be polite and then they'll ghost you. Um, so yeah, you want to get a sense of that. Jonathan, what are some of the other uh, things that people should know about closing these large deals? Uh, one thing you mentioned was land and expand. So instead of going into an account completely fresh, green, trying to close it, um, if you've got an account that maybe you did close a $20,000 deal for, but you see that the, perhaps there are other divisions inside the groups, you know, other people that could actually expand that into a half million dollar account. How do you start penetrating deeper into an account that you already have? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Understanding that your products and, and how they can be sliced and diced. So if budget is an issue right now and they want all the bells and whistles, there's a prime example of a company who had, I had an $800,000 quote. This was the IT's dream list of everything they wanted. And the CFO was knocking it down, kicking it down. And then the CEO came and he's like, I want it, but we couldn't get past the CFO. So again, it's easier to eat small bites than trying to shove the whole pizza in your mouth. So, mm -hmm. hey, guys, let's position this as here's a critical piece to this product that we want to institute. Let's get that part. That's 50 percent of the cost. So we can we can already narrow this down for your CFO to start having a more bite sized approach. Um, and that's that's critical. You've got to understand your product to do that, though, and mm -hmm. give them a journey. Say so a lot of customers I talk to, may, everybody's in a budget situation. And what worked well for them is we started with half of the product. And we started with, you know, a portion of the users and, and threw in some executives and they saw the benefit and we were able to, you know, grow that product and then get the other half of the product in there. So it's, it becomes a two to five year journey instead of, I got to get it all right now to close the mm -hmm. deal. There, uh, a lot of times, uh, account executives might find themselves in a situation where, uh, they've been able to close a 20 K deal without needing to go up to the CEO CFO level the manager that they purchased that who purchased their tools um, had enough budget authority to be able to do that, but they don't have enough budget authority to go start spreading it across the company. What kind of questions can you ask the team that you've already sold into to get introductions to other teams across the organization that may also benefit from the product? Yeah. You know, a lot of landing and expanding is, obviously you've got to have a, a great track record of something rolling out and deploying smoothly, but, you know, again, including them on that POC, including the next decision maker. Hey, if we can get this right and this works well for you, you know, would you guys see this being, you know, the big portion of your business, like rolling this out to the rest of your users and having them a part of the plan is going to be key. Let's say you didn't do that because they were afraid that something was going to break. Um, you know, you want success to happen and then go for the ask. It's all about that conversation bank of I, I need to give in order to ask to. And we mm -hmm. talked about that in the last call. Yeah, excellent. Jonathan, thank you so much. It was a very insightful conversation on how you close these big whales. These aren't just big fish. These are whales. Large accounts uh, absolutely can be done. People do it all the time. Longer sales cycle, but there's a lot of moving parts and this is how you manage it. Yep. Thanks again for joining us today on the morebusiness.com podcast.
Thanks for having me, Rosh.